Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. Alan, you know that ticker sound that we always used to hear on the news? Uh, no, I'm not old enough for that, Terry. Oh, <laughs> certainly you are. Can you make that noise for me, Alan? No, I don't think I can. I'm sure you can. <laughs> it goes like... That nope, kind of not thing. familiar with that, Terry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> There's such a gap between you and me. Yeah, yeah uh, in your dreams and imagination. <laughs> anyway... Feels really good I'll to put be 28 on my, right now. I'll, I'll put on my best Walter Cronkite voice and say, this is a special episode. We're coming to you today from Colorado Springs, Colorado, home of, formerly at least, the Nikola Tesla Experimental Lab. Wow, I did not know that. Who was what Nikola Tesla, you ask? <laughs> and uh, he was a contemporary of Edison who uh, helped to discover the properties of electricity. Shocking. (laughs) Oh, man. That's an electrifying opening, Terry. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, gosh, no. (laughs) I am Terry, church ministries leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan, director of multiplication in Eastern PA and other things as well that are fun. Yes. All the things. Um, I am Caitlin, equipping you producer and digital media specialist at the Alliance. So both Caitlin and uh, Alan are sevens. We are. And yeah. so and thankful uh, for that. Fun Very is, thankful. Fun is a theme. Fun is a theme Absolutely. for them. In whether, their whether or not Terry's ready. You need it's always in your life, Terry. I, I like fun. I like fun. I'm not a seven, but I like fun. So our guest today is uh, Tim Meyer. Also a seven. He is a seven, okay? Yes. Uh, and a good friend, vice president for uh, development for the Christian Missionary Alliance. And uh, Alan, what, what do you think Tim's going to talk to us about today? Well, you know, he's going to help us understand this whole process uh, about all the funding changes that have been going on really for the last couple of years in the Alliance. Help us to see the big picture on those and how they're really big gains for us so we can really fully participate in bringing all of Jesus for all the world. Yes, we want to fully participate, as you said, Alan. (laughs) Just (laughs) let him him slide, Terry. And thank you, Terry. uh, I will participate as much as I want. Thank you. (laughs) It's prayerful participation. Thank you. That's That's right. That's what you get when you participate with prayer at the same time. I see. I see. I'm praying without ceasing, so I'm participating. So you heard about this at council Thank if you, you were there out, Caitlin. or watched it online, and now you're going to hear about it again today. So grab yourself a chicha morada, the traditional drink of South America, especially in Bolivia, where our good friend and CM worker Ron Wind is from. And I'm told that you can drink this and still drive. Therefore, we're allowed to mention it on <laughs> equipping you podcast. Grab yourself a chicha morada, sit back, relax. Here we go. Hey, Equipping You friends, it's Caitlin here, and I want to tell you about something super special that we have launched here at Equipping You that's just for you, and we think you're really going to love it. 
If you're an avid Equipping You listener, an Equipping You live attender, or both, you need to join our Facebook group called Equipping You Community. We love that on the podcast and at Equipping You Live, we get to empower you in your ministries. But we believe that for you to really see the true transformation of your leadership that you want, applying what you learn in community is key. So pause this episode right now and head over to facebook.com slash groups slash equipping you community. Or you can go to equippingyou.com and scroll all the way to the bottom and click on equipping you community. We can't wait to see you there. And we're pleased to welcome to Equipping You Podcast, my friend and colleague, Tim Meyer. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Really honored to be with you guys. We're honored to have you here. So uh, I I think a lot of our listeners are somewhat familiar with who you are, but uh, tell us a little about the path that led you to your current role here in in, uh, the Alliance. Yeah. So I uh, was sort of running from a ministry call when I went to college. Uh, I was an English major and told everybody I was going to go teach English in China, but really I just wanted to try to avoid ministry. That had been my family <laughs> legacy. Um, no one and, else has uh, ever done that. <laughs> but halfway through, I had interned with a guy named Steve McKnight, who's still a lead ah, pastor, yep, and I yep. interned all four years with him uh, in New London Alliance Church. And halfway through, one of the youth sponsors said, you know, you're called to do this. You, you really should do this. And uh, so I changed my major, uh, met my future wife at the time, Rachel, and we started on that path. We went right to ATS in Nyack and on staff at a church, Mendham Hills in, in New Jersey for five years doing youth and worship ministry. And then somewhere in the middle of that, we're on a, we were on a trip in Germany and the Lord started stirring our hearts for overseas work. We had had that as kids, but he brought it back through our um, studies and experiences and those kind of things. And opened the door to France. Metro District had a partnership with France and ended up walking that journey. And so we went to France, learned the language, served there until 2012. Uh, Came back on home assignment for a variety of reasons. Decided uh, we weren't going to return to France, which was a difficult decision to make. Uh, But Envision was just getting going uh, at that time and was approached by leadership to consider that to come out to Colorado Springs. So uh, led the international sites and then uh, the ministry of Envision for five years and then moved into this role with development about two and a half years ago. So uh, been out here in in Colorado now eight years, uh, just about eight years. Yep. Good deal. Great, man. We're glad to have you in that role. We are. I'm hearing good things from all sides about your leadership, man. So thank you. I appreciate that. Um, So, one of our favorite questions we've been asking for the last couple seasons uh, is we ask our guests who has influenced them in their leadership. So who's been influential in your leadership, Tim? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I will say a number of people because, uh, and I'll keep it short, but um, I always joke with people that it sort of takes a village to keep my leadership going because uh, <laughs> it takes my therapist, my counselor, my coach, my uh, mentor, my yeah. <laughs> professors, my everybody. The first person that comes to mind, though, is Martin Sanders. Martin has influenced mm. me probably the most of anybody. Uh, starting, you know, when we went to seminary, we were 22 and and really very naive about the world, about experiences. And Martin grabbed us in a mentoring group uh, as newly marrieds, and that changed our whole trajectory. Rachel says often that if we were never in that mentoring group, we wouldn't have pursued the kind of ministry that God called us to. We wouldn't be the kind of people we we are uh, currently. And I still interact with Martin 
uh, quite often. Uh, so he's he's one of those top guys. And then, you know, I think there are a lot of people in the shaping world, but I, I honestly today would say uh, my counselor, <laughs> uh, my two counselors right now I, I have shaped my leadership because they have helped me connect the dots that if we're healthy spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, uh, we lead better. So mm, I've word. read a lot of books and those kind of things, but I honestly think my counselors taught me a lot about how to be a leader. So wow. that's great. That's cool, man. Yep. Thanks for sharing that. Yes. So people outside the national office may not realize the scope of your role in the Alliance as a vice president for development. So uh, what exactly do you do, Tim? <laughs> Every day is a new adventure. The development world in, in the Alliance is kind of unique. Most people, when they hear the word development, they think about fundraising and we do that. So that's probably where I'd start. We help our churches engage in missions giving. You know, we help individuals connect their passions with missionaries around the world and with mission projects and all those kind of things. But really, development's bigger than that in a denomination. So anything that you see come out of the Alliance, usually our team has helped shape at some level. So from website to social media to any missions emphasis material, our team helped you know, codify that language, all of Jesus for all the world, Great Commission Day, Alliance Life video. So anything really that the Alliance now, some of that stuff Terry writes, but we try to you know, make pretty or something like that. Um, no, we, it needs all the help but, uh, it can get. But any anything that you kind of see, you know, the development uh, team connects connects with. So we have all these artists, and then we have people working with individual donors, and so it's a really wide range of things. But it's it's a fun and exciting place to be, a dynamic kind of place to be. That's really cool. That's thanks. That's a nice, concise, but pretty thorough description. Yep. Um, so you gave us a good timeline of your ministry over the years. So how did those previous roles shape you for this role? Yeah, this, this role, first of all, I'll say this role, I didn't, I didn't know what I was signing up for necessarily because there, there were surprises in that, but I have seen God's hand and how he's led us into this place. So in that first experience with, with Steve McKnight, I mean, just learning passion for Jesus and passion for ministry. I mean, Steve was excited every day to do ministry. Wow. So Steve, if you are listening to this, you know, I, I learned a lot from him. He, you know, he always said, you know, there was another kid that we could reach for, for Christ. And so, um, I, I, I love that. Mendham was a great crucible experience for me because it was smaller, but it was really empowering. Like they hired a 22 year old to be their youth pastor. When I think about, I was, I just think about the the risk they took on me, and I've talked to John Eisman a lot about that. You know, when when uh, he's the lead pastor there now. But France was the time that we really, I think, got formed as leaders. So mm. it didn't go the way we planned. Ministry didn't go the way we planned. We experienced a lot of personal loss with miscarriages and other things that were very very difficult. And there were many moments when I wanted to throw in the towel and. Uh, Rachel was the stronger one in many ways to say, no, we, you know, we were called to this. And I think those moments of realizing, you know, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, what does it really mean to live for Christ? Why am I doing this? You know, and then to go, the dream probably isn't as big as it should be. So, you know, Martin actually talked to me a, a year and a half in, I, I was trying to just grind it out for the Lord in France. And he just said, I feel like you're, you're not dreaming God's dreams. You're like, you're trying to, 
identify a couple things that you could accomplish with certain talents or whatever. You need to ask God what he really wants to do. Mm. And that started changing my approach, my prayer life, our, our ministry. And we started seeing some significant fruit in France. Um, and then I guess the envision role taught me how to do this leadership thing in a different way. So, you know, I'm an experiential learner in many ways. So, getting thrown in the deep end with all these international sites and a kind of a startup in the mission world and vision. And, and frankly, most, I was just saying this to somebody yesterday, most conversations I had in the first couple of years felt like we were defending what we were trying to do. And I learned a lot. Like people <laughs> yeah. are like, this doesn't feel right what you're trying to do with Envision. And so I learned a ton about that and people leadership and, and about myself uh, through those things too. So, yeah. So other than having the opportunity to work with me, Tim, what made you excited about taking the role of vice president for development? Uh, working with you, Terry, was number one. Uh, I then thought so. A distant, distant second uh, would be, you know, I just love seeing pe when people's stories get connected to the bigger story. I mm. just love that. So, mm. um, you know, God's telling a big kingdom story around the world every day. He's, he's active. And this role has an opportunity to engage people both from a – you know, hey, I want to I want to give my resources to advance the cause of Christ or I'm interested in that story. Can you tell me more about that person that's working in that very difficult place in a refugee camp and and connecting their hearts to that? And then frankly, you know, I hope that the stories we tell on social media and Alliance Life are helping to inspire new international workers, new pastors, uh, working with, you know, AM and CM to to help all swim in the same direction and those kind of things that, that gets me going. So, you know, I love, I love when somebody, uh, this is going to sound cheesy, but somebody watches a video and goes, man, I was so stirred. I had to do something. And so, you know, that, that got me going. It's good. So when you stepped into the role, uh, aside from working with Terry, what were two or three of the big challenges you had to face? <laughs> I'm going to flip that one around back. <laughs> okay. You win. Alan. <laughs> There were, yeah, you know, I think part of it for me, my personality is pretty extroverted. I think on the, you know, apostolic prophet, evangelist, teacher kind of, I'm more apostolic. And so being in more of a corporate role was a challenge for me, you know, just like more <laughs> predictable patterns and, and those things. So personally, I think there was a challenge, but I think a lot of it was realizing that we were, we're trying to do one thing and communicate all of Jesus for all the world and engage people, but we were doing it in a bunch of different directions. So trying to bring us all together and realize we're all on the same team. We're all trying to do this together. And I'm, you know, I was a younger guy, uh, getting hired to do a role that I felt like I was dealing with imposter syndrome. Like I, you know, mm. I don't deserve to do this. I don't, I, I can't, I don't have the experience to pull this off. And that's true. So uh, it's been build the bridge as we walk on it a little bit. Um, but God's been faithful. And so those, those challenges a lot were just me, frankly, just hmm. getting over my own, like, how am I supposed to lead at this level with guys who have a lot more experience than me? So I have learned, I mean, I know we're joking about it, but I have learned a ton from guys like Terry and Tim Crouch and Absolutely. Gary Friesen. I have too. I don't want to throw him on the bus too much. I did work with him <laughs> and enjoyed it all along the way. You guys are way too kind. So we've been making some changes in how we do funding in the Alliance, been working through those for the last two or three years. And um, give us an idea, Tim, of the overarching goals for making these changes. It wasn't like we were just sitting around one day and said, oh, let's change some things. There, there's, <laughs> there's a reason behind this and, yeah. and talk about that. 
Yeah, we were not just bored, so we decided to try to change something that was 60 years old. Never never been bored in this role. No, there's no there's no boring days. That's true. At, at Council 2019, uh, we communicated these changes publicly for the first time. And one of the things I said, and I'll come back to today, is the reason we're doing this is the need for breakthrough in our fundraising uh, and our funding of the mission. So we had been stuck in some ways at the same level with GCF giving. And yet there was all this other stuff coming in on the side that was growing and growing and growing. And we needed to unify those things and then see if we could lift both of those uh, general gifts and specific gifts and create breakthrough. And what I said then, I'll say again, we had been raising 45 to 65 million, depending on how you reported it. What we really need to raise is 80 to 100 million. Mm. Uh, in order to accomplish the the, the vision and the God size sort of dream that he's given us to send more workers to plant more churches in the U.S. to do all those kind of things, so the reason we made the funding changes is because we need to mobilize more resources. That's the bottom line. Uh, it's because of vision. There are more specific reasons that we made it, and part of it was about simplicity. We made some of the changes because people were really confused what they should do. Should they give a general gift to the Great Commission Fund or should they give to a work special, a worker, to Envision, to Kama? How did it all work? What was reported? What wasn't reported? And we needed to just say, look, however you want to give is great and we'll celebrate that. So you can give generally and just write your check to the GCF if you want to do that. If your church has done that, great. And if you want to partner with a worker, do that. And we're going to help the worker know what they actually want to do. Because workers have been raising funds since the beginning of the Alliance. Okay. Yeah. So workers have been raising a lot of money actually since the beginning of the Alliance, but not always with the best strategy or with the best approach or with the best unified approach. We need to simplify that. And then the other thing, and this is, you know, Tim Crouch has been a leader in this was really to clarify our culture. So I mentioned that I led Envision. People have been confused over the years. Like, what is really Alliance missions? What's not Alliance missions? What's comma? What's it? So we needed to bring everybody together at the table, say all these guys are international workers. They're all valued. So we need to get a little tighter on how we support all of them with general gifts and how we support all of them with, you know, specific fundraising. So I'll give you an example. Some of our workers for the last, and this, this has been the, the most difficult thing for people to understand was a little bit. We just pulled back the curtain because <laughs> some of our workers for the last 30, 40 years have been raising a hundred percent of their, of their money. And some of our workers have not felt the need, but still have raised a lot of money. And we needed to have some of those workers who felt like, man, I got to raise all this money benefit more from that general gift to the GCF. We also needed some of the workers who felt like they didn't have to find partners to just get more strategic about it. Because, I'll get granular here for one second, some of those workers that benefit from all those general gifts are on average raising $35,000 a year on the side, quote unquote. We need to just strategize for that. If they're already all raising $35,000 a year, plus the money that they get, like, what do we do together? So we need to clarify mm -hmm. that, clarify the culture, simplify it, and then say, people love giving in a variety of ways. Let's, let's make that easier for them to give. That's helpful. Uh, and I appreciate that. You know, it's looking at somebody who's outside the national office uh, and having been a local pastor for a couple decades as well. Um, it was easy to look at Alliance missions as like four silos. Right. You know, and which silo do I put my, do we put our money in? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I appreciate that simplicity statement there. So 
So go ahead and then take the next step and tell us how these funding changes accomplish those goals that you're talking about. Right. So people, we're just seeing that people love to give in, in really two ways. And most people actually like to give in both ways. Uh, but what we're hoping to do with this simplification is that people feel freedom to give in the way that creates most joy for them. There are churches who are you know, really passionate about general gifts to the GCF, and we hope that this even increases their passion. We have a number of churches who, or people who've never made a gift to the mission work of the Alliance, and we're hoping that we can connect them with a worker or connect them to this vision and that they'll say, all right, I could get on board with that. You know, I could maybe consider uh, as a church giving a couple thousand dollars a year if we've never done that before. And that that will cause all boats to rise because we really are going for that bigger number, not just making budget. We're in a strong place right now. The, the, the blessing of this is that we're doing this from a place of, of abundance right now, of strength that God has provided. And so we're not doing it because we're like running out of money. We got to figure it out. No, we, we just need to get more strategic about that. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I really believe that, you know, equipping workers to tell their stories well and letting churches continue to give in the way that they want to give will, will increase both of those. those I've really appreciated that. I mean, I'm definitely, you just described me in a nutshell. I love to do both. Love to do the GCF because I appreciate everything that's happening around the world. But I'm also heavily invested in Uruguay and love to support my international worker friends there. Absolutely. And so this makes me realize that it all helps the big picture goal, but still helps me directly support the workers that I really follow closely. Yeah, totally. So all, the, the big change here is that all of that now is going to be a part of the new GCF where we had it separated out. Now, if you give to the worker or you give generally, it's all going to go into that same new GCF. Um, Paul Crosby, who's the assistant vice president for engagement. And I were just talking about this this week that I personally love to give to workers. We give to um, some envision workers, com workers, access workers. Uh, Rachel and I just love that partnership. And Paul and I, I but I still make gifts to the, the Great Commission Fund. And Paul's kind of the opposite. He normally just gives to the Great Commission Fund. And then every once in a while, he'll give to a worker. And that's good. That's all good. But in the past, it hasn't always felt good. Like it was yeah. like we were cheating. Yes. If we didn't do the right, you know. Yeah, I hear you. We're going to get in trouble or something. So... So, uh, Tim, it's been said that people don't fear change, they fear loss. So what have, what have you sensed that, that, that people might be afraid of losing with these funding changes? And how will the gains from the funding changes eventually overcome the losses that people might be feeling? Yeah, I love this question. So thank you for writing this question. I teach this principle at Alan, ATS. Alan wrote uh, the question. It's a, it's a great question. I teach this principle. We spend a long time unpacking the people fear loss, not change really, you know, and what is the loss? So I love the question because it gets to the heart of what's going on. And I think I'm just going to guess here, but I think the loss that people are afraid of is that somehow we're going to distract our workers from their mission call mm -hmm. that by asking them to be more involved in partnerships and, so, and stuff like that, that they won't be as involved in evangelism or church planting around the world or that by doing that, we don't care about our workers as much. The reality is one of our core principles in Alliance Missions that Tim Crouch has um, established is connectedness. We have always had connectedness in the Alliance. We just need to frame this in a way that's updated. So for instance, I'll just do a hypothetical. We're on a podcast. Um, hopefully I don't get in trouble for saying this. Um, the question for me sometimes is what is more 
distracting from a worker, bringing them home for a full year from their church plant or bringing them home all the time to do like tour stuff or creating a little bit more sustainable partnerships that could be done over Zoom, over whatever. Yeah, we'll still bring them home for some time and that kind of thing. Uh, the question is, how do we stay connected? Yeah. Because most of the people who fear that loss were all about the tour system. But man, those workers were not on, on the ground for a full year at a time. Yeah. What yeah. if we could change that and make this more of a dynamic partnership uh, where the workers are cared for well? Yes, they have some goals. But again, they've all been raising money. They've all been already raising money. Okay. And, and, and then we can just help them uh, be more strategic. So I think at the, in the end of the day, this is actually workers are going to, some workers are, are a little bit intimidated because they haven't been equipped yet. We're going to equip them. So that's all good. Um, in how to talk about partnerships with churches. Um, but I think at the end of the day, this is going to help workers and it's going to help churches with their partnerships on both, on both ends. Yeah, I think you're right. These funding changes had to be like an all hands on deck kind of thing. You're in development handling it that way. But of course, you can't do that without Alliance Missions make adjustments to how they're approaching their ministry. And then CM is communicating to churches about this. So how has working through this process strengthened those partnerships uh, yeah. and, and, and working together? Yeah, I, I really think that when you go through a change process like this, if everybody's committed, it actually bonds the team together. And I really experienced that. I mean, we, you know, we set out with a group called Project Breakthrough that we all sat in on and talked about how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? What's the next step? So between Ken Baldus and all of the accounting systems that had to be changed mm. from the finance side, which is a lot of work. Big deal, yeah. And Terry's responsibilities to churches and all of Tim's implications for uh, in, in the Alliance Missions world, I, I really believe this has helped us you know, swim together mm -hmm. and stronger. Communication has been more open, I think, because of this. Mm. We've had some tense conversations where we didn't agree with each other and how this was going to work. And that's been good and positive. And I think even from when we first sat together at council and then did it again in 21, uh, just to say, hey, listen, we're all in this together. And and this imp you know, impacts all of us in different ways. And we have different roles to play, uh, but we're all on the same team here. And if we weren't, if we did not do that in really intentional ways, this would not have worked. And so I'm grateful for the team uh, that God's put together in this season of, of change. Because this wasn't the only change we were going through, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it makes me little, think of... A uh, little matter of relocation. Yeah, that, yeah well, minor detail. Minor detail. Yeah. You know, it makes me think, you know, the, the, the phrase that we're saying a lot now in a great way is all for Jesus, for all the world. But I, it makes what you're saying makes me think of it takes all of us to bring all of Jesus to all That's the right. world. And yeah. I love that. It's one of those things that you probably, I'm guessing, uh, that it's probably not... When you're on the early side of this thinking, wow, this is going to really help us all learn to work together in new ways. But looking back, it's probably like, wow, that was really good for us in right. that way. I, I agree with you. I think that's true. That was one of the hidden. And I, once we got the accounting systems figured out and we started putting some of the things in place and we realized, OK, July 1, 21, that's when this thing's going to happen. Even in the room, I, I think there was this sense of, wow, there was a, an accomplishment, a relief uh, wow, God let us do this together yeah, as well. So that's cool. It's been encouraging. That is really cool. So Tim, we'll, we'll uh, give you a chance to say anything you want as we wrap up today. But <laughs> uh, and you already said this at council, but let let's say it again. I mean, we've we've seen some remarkable things happen during COVID in terms of support for the Great Commission Fund. So 
what have been some of the highlights uh, of that for you and and uh, anything else you'd like to share yeah, as we bring you. this to a close yeah what a journey <laughs> what a journey we we didn't know nobody knew you know when we first started locking down what would this mean and one of the first things we did was start you know, cutting salaries and cutting ministry budgets and get being proactive what we saw was nothing short of miraculous blessing uh, because of in some ways this forced us to work together in new and creative ways uh, in the development world but also across areas of ministry and and because of that we saw the single largest giving day in alliance history in december on giving tuesday uh, we saw the largest giving month in alliance history in december we finished that calendar year of 2020 in the black for the first time we can't find a record back but we we're guessing that it was first time since maybe the sixties that wow, we finished the calendar done. year at hundred percent. And then, uh, and then that continued on. So the spring actually was very strong as well. So, uh, it really has been a huge blessing to see people leaning in new donors, new churches, considering it, you know, uh, churches saying, Hey, we've got, we actually had churches say, we want to do more this year because people are stepping up so much. So we create a church challenge for our Great Commission Day, leading into council and all those things. So uh, I really feel like this was also, I've been using this, you know, this idea as it relates to a lot of our changes, but God calls us to something and then we follow in faith and radical obedience. And then along the way, he kind of winks at us like, I got you. <laughs> it's okay. And I think part of this provision was God going, see, it's fine. Yeah. You can take a risk and I'll provide and I'll stir in the hearts of, of my people to do this. And so with all of those, all the changes that we're walking through and, and, you know, and obviously the relocation of the national office is a huge endeavor, but along the way we've seen over and over and over God going, see, I prepared that one too. See, I'll take care of you. You don't have to lose sleep. And over this, this is my mission. And I think maybe if I was going to say, you know, anything, <laughs> That would be it, you know, that we, when we walk into changes like this or anything that we do in life and ministry, we can either approach this from a, a true poverty mentality, scarcity mentality. There's only so much to go around. We better not make any changes. If we take any risk, we might lose some people. If we do, no, God is not that kind of God. He calls people to do crazy things all the time <laughs> yeah. and he always comes through. So, Amen. you know, it wasn't easy for Abraham or Moses or David or anybody that he called, uh, it, it always seemed impossible. And they always were like, nah, not me. I'm not doing this. And then he provided. And I think yeah. in small ways, we're not equating ourselves to Abraham and Moses, but in small ways, even these funding changes and even the steps that we're taking in faith right now are, are similar heart. And, and God keeps reminding us in spite of our lack of faith and my lack of faith at times, uh, look, I got this. So... That's how I feel, and I'm encouraged. I think this is a new chapter for the Alliance and an exciting new day that we're walking into. Amen. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate you and your leadership in uh, development and in the Alliance, and appreciate you taking the time to join us today and be a part of Equipping Absolutely. You podcast. Absolutely. Great to be with you guys. Thanks. Well, it's great to have uh, Tim Meyer with us today. Alan, what do you appreciate about Tim's uh, leadership? I just appreciate uh, that he is not trying to just do a job, but to lead out of God's work in him. I think he is an authentic leader. I think he has recognized honestly that the biggest challenge to his leadership is himself, which is the truth for all of us. True. So for me, 
this was both an encouraging personal conversation and an encouraging denominational conversation. And I think uh, the highlight at the end was just hearing him talk about how this actually built stronger partnerships in all the different categories, uh, teams, among those teams in the Alliance. True. Dual purpose, value added podcast episode. And uh, Tim has really taken our whole development team to the next level. So appreciate his leadership. So uh, next special episode coming your way will be on spiritual integrity with uh, Rock Dilliman. You won't want to miss that. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.